Welcome back, beautiful people, to the Miseducation of Christianity podcast. As you already know, this podcast aims to uncover hidden principles and biblical mysteries to access the power of God and our authority in the kingdom of God. So guys, we're going to get straight into it. If you've been following the last episodes, I've kind of made it known that this podcast is going to be talking about, talking around, giving perspective to, illuminating the kingdom of God. We figured out that it's the answer, it's the solution. So what I've decided to do was somewhat of an overview of the kingdom. So that way we're all on the same page as we begin this journey in understanding and unpacking the kingdom. So we're going to start a series today. This series is going to be titled The Concept of the Kingdom. In me starting that today, what we're going to go over is the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how of the kingdom. So that way, everybody has a rubric and a measuring stick to be able to identify, to be able to locate the kingdom when they pass it, when they hear it, and when they see it. So let's go straight in. So the first component is the who. Who's over the kingdom and who's in the kingdom? Well, I'm pretty sure you guys would guess this easily. The person over our kingdom is our king, which would be Jesus, right? He's the king over the kingdom. And I have scripture to provide for that. This scripture is going to be coming from Isaiah 9 and 6 through 7. And it reads, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. So it's letting us know that when he comes on the scene, a governing body will be present. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen to this part. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, again, we're talking kingdom language, upon his kingdom to what? Order it to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. So again, that verse lets us know out the gate that, again, when Jesus is coming on the scene, he's going to come with a governing body. He's coming with a cabinet. You know, he's coming with a, a, a political group. He's coming with, with legislation and he's coming with orders. It says he's coming to what? Bring order and establish. So it lets us know right there that he is the king. Why? Because the government rests on his shoulders. Okay. So even further down, if we look in the book of Revelations 1916, it lets us know that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now that's God. That's Jesus. We know he's over it, but who's in it? Well, that's a little bit tricky. Everybody has access to the kingdom, but not everybody will enter in into the kingdom. We'll get more into that in the later episodes. But for right now, let's just say everybody that's listening, we're all in the kingdom. OK, so it's God's people and God's children that are in the kingdom and God's son, Jesus Christ, who is over the kingdom. So the next component, I want to just go straight to the wind, which kind of piggybacks to the who. So we just stated, it right. It said Unto us a child is born and a son is given, right? And the government will be upon his shoulders. It's letting us know when Jesus gets here, he's coming with that government. We're going to go to Luke 16 and 16. It says, the law and the prophets were until John. 
and John referring to John the Baptist. That means everybody before John was in the law and only prophesying of the coming of Jesus Christ. This is everybody from Isaiah, from Samuel, every Elijah, everybody was speaking of, demonstrating, everybody was making it clear of this savior that was coming to save the world. So up until that time, all there was was the law and the prophets, which means there was no preaching, there was no sermons, there was no ministering per se around the kingdom. Now, they were talking about about the coming of a king and what he would bring when he comes. Obviously, a king is coming with the kingdom, but there was no deep revelation, no deep dives into exactly the kingdom and what it is. The Bible actually goes into the New Testament saying that the prophets and the elders, they died with the hope of seeing the kingdom. They never got a chance. And Jesus says in that passage, he says, actually, better are you all because you guys get the opportunity to experience it and come into it. So again, according to Luke 16, 16, God is letting us know again, up until John, it was only the law and the prophets. The kingdom was not there. Now let's read on. It says, since that time, since that time of John the Baptist from John the Baptist and on, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. So again, it lets us know when John the Baptist came on the scene, he was making way for the king, right? And once the king came, since that time, the only thing we were talking about, the only thing the apostles were ministering about, the only thing you see Jesus repetitively talk about is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is likened unto a man. The kingdom of God is likened unto a baker. The kingdom of God is likened unto a owner. It, it, he always refers to the kingdom of God. That's the only thing that was preached. So again, bad deduction. It's letting us know. When did it come? When Jesus came on the scene. Okay, the next component. So we know the who, we know the when, but before we get any further, we have to just plainly identify what is the kingdom. So I have somewhat of a description based off of my collection of reading the scriptures and reading God's word in the New Testament and all of what the prophets have said. And this is the easiest explanation I could provide or description or definition, if you will. The kingdom of God is an extension of God's authority, nature, and government on the earth. I'll say that again. The kingdom of God is an extension of God's authority, his nature, and his government on the earth. Just to be clear, the Bible does give reference to two type of kingdoms, right? And we're not referring to the kingdom of darkness. What we're referring to is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the place in which God resides. This is where his throne is. This is where Jesus sits on the right hand of God, right? This is where all the angels and the cherubim, this, this is their domain. This is their territory, right? And God is the king in that realm. The other one is the kingdom of God. In that realm, Jesus is our king. But as I told you before, despite we're citizens, he extended his power and his leadership to us for us to run the kingdom of God down here for him on his behalf. We have a wonderful father, guys. And we know this. Why? Because if we just go all the way back in Genesis. One of the beautiful 
uh, proclamations and announcements and decrees that God gave to Adam and Eve was that they were to rule over all the earth. He also told us to be fruitful, to multiply and replenish the earth. Now, I'll get into that further along down the line in a couple of episodes, but that is our creed and that is our understanding in the kingdom in which we as citizens in leadership operate by. So a simple way to record that in your mind, remember this, the power and the leadership resides with the people, but the authority is extended from God. Okay, let's get a bit more into the what. In the book of Romans, Romans identify that the kingdom of God is not going to be of meat and of drink, but it says three things. It says righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's letting you know these are going to be the tones, the energy, the aura of the kingdom when it comes. When you see it, you will see righteousness. When you feel it, you're going to feel peace. When you experience it, it's going to be joy, all encapsulized, all performed, all given by the Holy Ghost. I'm also reminded of another scripture in John 10, 10, where it stated to us that God came to give us life and that more abundantly. Again, in the kingdom, there is a life of abundance. There is nothing that you lack when you enter into the kingdom. If you need mercy, if you need grace, if you need favor, if you need perspective, if you need wisdom, I'm reminded of one of my favorite scriptures. The Bible says that if a man desires wisdom and were to ask of it, God will give it to him bountifully, right? In the kingdom, God is full of everything we need. So if we were to conclude it, What the kingdom is, it's God's authority, it's his nature and his government on earth. And what it's going to encapsulize is going to be righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Also, life and that more abundantly. I'm really interested in being on that side of life. So the next component is where? Where is the kingdom then? We know who's in the kingdom. We know when the kingdom was established. We know what is in the kingdom? But but where is it? Where, where would I find it? Where according to Luke 17, there's a very specific, direct, clear answer as to where the kingdom of God will be. And it reads, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, which means you're not going to be able to, oh, there. Oh, it's in that building or, oh, it's over in that country. No, let's go a little bit further. It says, neither shall they say lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. I tell people all the time that the kingdom of God is of mind and heart. It's with the mind that we serve the Lord and it's with the heart that we profess that he's our Lord and Savior. So Jesus makes it very clear Hey, you're not going to find it there. It's not going to be in that landmark. It's not going to be in that country. It's not going to be in that place per se. No, you'll find it within these earthen vessels. Okay, so the next component is the why. So again, we know the who, we know the what, we know the when, we know the where, but like God, why? Like it sounds like a good space, sounds like a a dope place to be. Sounds like something I definitely want to be a part of. I mean, you got joy, you got peace, you got abundant living. I mean, it sounds pretty cool to me. It sounds pretty dope, right? And then this thing is within me, which means I can carry the kingdom everywhere I go. So like, I don't have to go to a particular place and try to rush to get that. No, it can literally reside in me. So that's great. But 
out of curiosity, why, God, why are you bringing us the kingdom? Well, I believe there's three reasons I can pull. Now, I'm pretty sure there's more than three, but these are the ones that I found to be uh, the most important, if you will. The first reason is because God wants to, he desires to deliver us from a corruptible life. We know when Adam was in the garden and he fell, sin entered the earth. And from that time of Adam, sin had progressed and grew to so much, which was the whole point and reason why Jesus had to come to kind of reset and start this thing over. So God knew that there were certain natures, there were certain consequences in life due to sin nature that we would not be able to escape from. So he wanted to kind of give us an escape route. He wanted to deliver us from a corruptible life. Now, I have a scripture for this. John 3, 16. I'm pretty sure everybody knows this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. It says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what? Again, that corruptible lifestyle. God wanted to give us a way out because without Jesus, we would have been, um, uh, it would have been, yeah, uh, yeah, we had just move on. One of the other reasons I believe God brought the kingdom was for fulfillment, for us to come into the awareness of who we are, actualize, right? And for a way for us to cleanse ourselves of the habits and things that we've done. Because remember, I just stated, if he's going to deliver us from a corruptible life, there are going to be some traits, there are going to be some behaviors and some habits that might not be too kosher and might not be appropriate for the lifestyle we're trying to lead in the kingdom. So with that, there's a scripture. The scripture comes from 1 John 3 and 2, and it reads, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's letting us know that right there, which this is a beautiful scripture, by the way, that you can be a son of God and not be clear on what you're called to do. Wow. We just breathe that in for a minute. Because a lot of times I kind of expressed this in my last episode. A lot of times we, we could be confused and not be sure of our identities and our places as to what we're supposed to do, what we're called to do, what we're called to be, our destiny, right? Our mantles, all of that wonderful jazz. But here God says it here that you can be a son and not really know what you're going to be. And he says, it's fine. Because what we do know is when Jesus appears, you're going to be like him. Well, what was Jesus? Jesus was everything. More importantly, Jesus was an answer. Jesus was a solution. And what God is saying, despite you are a son, you've been serving, you've been worshiping, you, you've been loving on me, you've been growing in your understanding of the kingdom and my righteousness, and you may not necessarily know altogether just yet what you're supposed to do. He says, don't worry about it. When you see Jesus, you're going to be like him, you're going to become that solution and that answer for whatever dilemma and problem that might be out there. Because the wonderful thing that I believe is that we were only created 
for a purpose. And when God got done making our purpose, it qualified us to now come in to life. So he says it right here. Again, you may not know what you shall be, but don't worry about it. What we do know is that when God appears, we're going to be like him for we shall see him as he is. We're going to see him. And again, we're going to understand. We're going to seek out his righteousness. We're going to see him as he really is, as God really called him to be. This is actually really, really beautiful. It says, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath hope in him purifieth himself. So remember, I said there's another component, right? You're not just going to know who you are, what you are, and what you're called to do. But there's going to be a way for God to cleanse you. Because remember, I told you, those habits and those traits we picked up along the way may not necessarily be conducive to where we're going in the kingdom. But God says, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Because if you're hoping in God and placing your hope on him and believing on him and believing in him, he'll purify us. And he said, you will end up purifying yourself just beholding him. I have a phrase that I say a lot of times to my friends. You will become what you behold. And that's a lot to unpack in this moment. But the short says, whatever a man think it, so is he. And the reason it says that, because whatever I ponder about, whatever I think on the longest, I will begin to manifest those traits, attributes, even even my speech will begin to portray me. I always refer to even the disciples, right? Remember when Jesus was going forth uh, to be, you know, crucified, right? And he was brought into a particular space where they were making plans around his crucifixion. And one of the apostles kind of trailed him and followed him. And I remember they were in this courtyard space and it says that the people on the outside was like, hey, wasn't you with Jesus? Didn't we see you following him? And he was like, oh, no, no, that's that's not me. You must be thinking of another person. And then they said this. No, because your speech betrays you. Now, does that mean that the apostle was going home trying to sound like and trying to talk like Jesus and trying to have his vernacular and his turn of phrase? I'm, I don't believe that's it. And, and that's just really, really weird. Uh, so, yeah, that's weird. I believe he was just around him so much that he was just picking up by proximity. He picked up the way Jesus talked. He picked up Jesus's mannerisms. And that's because it's a principle, guys. You become what you behold. So again, he let us know here that if you look at him and hope on him, you'll start to purify yourself. It'll start to happen. So I believe that's one of the other reasons. Last reason, I believe God brought the kingdom to us on Jesus' shoulders was for his glory. It was to reveal his glory. Now, this is my understanding around glory. The glory of the Lord is a manifestation of God's character and attributes, right? Um, and I like to make things very simple for people. When we see God's glory in the earth, it's a it's going to, again, be a manifestation of his character and his attributes. Now, that's sometimes through something or that sometimes through someone, what God wanted to do was to give us this kingdom, right? So once we become purified, once we become fulfilled, and once we look like him, well, guess what? That's going to show forth his glory because we will show forth what? The character and the attributes of God, which we know is love. The Bible says God is love. It's, it's, his, it's his core identity. That means we're going to show forth love. We're going to show forth power. We're going to show forth compassion. Everything that Jesus came doing and showing 
We're going to show that forth and ultimately that will reveal God's glory. So those are my three reasons and there are many more, but I believe those are the three main reasons as to why God brung the kingdom in the first place to deliver us from a corruptible lifestyle, to bring us into fulfillment and a way for us to cleanse ourselves, but ultimately to show forth his glory. So guys, we know who is in the kingdom, when the kingdom came, what is the kingdom altogether, why God would even bring the kingdom and where the kingdom is, right? But now the last question is the how. So according to 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, it reads, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. One of the ways in which God is going to show forth and present the kingdom, he's going to do it in power, combustible power. I'm talking about life-changing, life-bringing power. That's his desire. It's going to come in power. But there's another way. The other way he's going to show forth or present the kingdom is by way of demonstration. Now, there are a boatload of scriptures that I could go to, but if we just dance in Luke for a second, according to Luke 11, the Bible says, if you cast out devils with the finger of God, the kingdom of God has came to you. According to Luke 10, it says, and when you heal the sick therein, the kingdom of God is show forth. And again, Luke 21, it says, when you see things come to pass, this is talking about prophetic words. He says, the kingdom of God will be shown forth. So if you're wondering how he's going to do it, how he's going to present the kingdom, show forth the kingdom, he's going to do it in power and in demonstration. So guys, quick synopsis. We know that who is in the kingdom? We have Jesus, who is our king, who will reign forever because the government is on his shoulders. And we have us, the citizens that have been given power and leadership to govern it for God on this earth. We know where the kingdom is. The kingdom is not a place or a landmark or a particular property per se. It's in us. We know when it came. It simply came when Jesus came. When he came on the scene, that's when the kingdom came on the scene. No if and no buts about it. We know what is in the kingdom and we know what the kingdom is in totality. It's an extension of God's authority. It's an extension of God's nature and his government on the earth. And we know what's in the kingdom is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, life, and that more abundantly, which is, whoo, that's a lot. We know why he brought the kingdom to deliver us from a corruptible lifestyle, to bring us fulfillment and a way for us to cleanse ourselves once we're delivered from that lifestyle, but ultimately to show forth his glory in the earth. And he's going to do all of that. The way he's going to show that forth, the way he's going to present that is in power and in demonstration. I pray that this overview is helpful as we go further in this series of the concepts of the kingdom, where we will begin to process what are the ways of the kingdom? What are the conducts of the kingdom? How do we move in the kingdom? What can we expect from the kingdom? And da, 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 who can't receive the kingdom? Who is not allowed in the kingdom? We'll leave that alone. We're going to leave that to an episode all in and of itself. Guys, this is the Miseducation of Christianity podcast. Come back. In the depths of my mind, I'm searching for the truth. In my quiet time, I'm all alone, I come to you. With a seat this hard, down the rabbit hole we go. Question everything, that's the only way to know.